You ready, Dr. Paul? Let's go. Another question for you. The NIH continues to refuse to voluntarily divulge the names of scientists who receive royalties and from which companies. Over the period of time from 2010 to 2016, 27,000 royalty payments were paid to 1,800 NIH employees. We know that not because you told us, but because we forced you to tell us through the Freedom of Information Act. And welcome to GAMCAST for June the 17th, 2022. The heat wave in Atlanta and throughout the country continues. And we've got a lot of news to bring you up to speed on. It's a slow news day. Not a lot going on out there. But as you know, anytime there's not a lot of go- out, not a lot going on out there, we have a ton to talk about. We're going to talk about this Fauci story in a sane country. This would probably be one of the lead stories. That's why I'm leading with it, because it's the true story here and some, some news. Uh, we're going to talk about Biden's reaction to the potential uh, striking down of Roe v. Wade. Bill Clinton has jumped into the democracy and peril hoax. We'll talk about that. We're going to talk about redistricting the January 6th committee. I got a lot of stuff to go over today. I'm going to try to beat the clock. It's a Friday. I'm exhausted from doing three and a half hours of the January 6th live stream, which is up at our YouTube channel if you want to check it out. And um, we got some new January 6th stuff today I looked into, so I'm a little bit later than I wanted to be getting this out there. But anyway, without further ado, let's get back to the lead story of the day. This is Dr. Fauci testifying, I believe yesterday, before the Senate uh, committee. Uh, you heard Rand Paul asking him about royalties. Now, it I don't even know where this is going to go, but I, I, you had me at royalties. That's all I needed. Why are government employees getting... Now, I can think of a good reason why they might. Let's not get ahead of our skis. Like the, let's, not, let's not pull a January 6th committee, okay? But you know, the idea that you get paid by the people to work for the people, that you're getting paid for that. Now, I'm not, I, I understand this argument that, well, if we want to get attractive people, and it may have, it's like a lot of arguments that we're going to hear today from the left. At first blush, they make some sense. But then when you drill down, you start to see this. And when he gets, when he, well, he already drilled down a little bit. So, all right, let's just say for the sake of the argument, I've given you, and what it's always been is a government job was you had more security because most of us are at-will employees. I'm not saying government uh, people aren't at-will employees. A lot are not. Some are. But they are certainly, they have more protections. It's more difficult to fire them. They get better pensions. I mean, a lot of people in local and state government here in Georgia and the feds, if they work 20 years, they get a pension. I mean, I've worked now. I've got out of law school in 1997, so I guess I'm going on my 25th year in September. Um I have whatever I've paid, uh, saved up. That's it. I have no pension at all. Now, again, they're, they're good and bad about different things. But the, the, the idea was always that th- that that was the security of the pension and a little bit more difficult for you to be fired, right? And you, you usually made a little bit l- less in the private sector. But those two things, and, and when you talk about benefits, you talk about health benefits, I and mean, that's a significant benefit. Those made up for the fact that the private sector generally made a little bit more money. Well, in the past few decades, all of a sudden, a lot of the dealings that's going on, they now make equal to what the private sector, and in some cases, maybe even more. You're going, wait a minute, um, aren't you going to drop the pension? Oh, no. Aren't you going to drop the benefits? Oh, no. Aren't you going to drop the, uh, you know, harder to get, uh, not as easy to get fired? No. So you get that. Now you start talking about royalty payments, and you start to see these things, and it's like, wait a minute, you're getting the best of all the worlds. That's not what it's supposed to be. But anyway, he continues about this, and, and I, I want you to listen as Dr. Fauci begins to speak, I want you to listen to the tone that these people take. Right Now, if I were his attorney and I was sitting there, I would coach him the night before and I would whisper in his ear right now, 
right? I want you to approach this gentleman as if you were going to your uncle and trying to borrow money that you needed for college. That's that's the tone. The tone you want to hear is, you know, not hat in hand, but pretty darn close to it. And listen to the tone he takes. And there's a lot to unpack here. It's going to get us really started for the rest of the show. Over $193 million was given to these 18 employee, 1,800 employees. Can you tell me that you have not received a royalty from any entity that you ever oversaw the distribution of money in research grants? Um, well, first of all, let's talk about royalties. That's the question. No, that's the question. Have oh, you ever no, overseen, have you ever received a royalty plan. payment from a company that you later oversaw money going to that company. So that that's that's yet another layer here. Okay, so we already talked about the idea that should you even get royalty payments. Now we're adding in a conflict of interest. Just you know, we're just throwing a little bit of whipped cream on there, some cherries, a little bit of chocolate, right? It's like what what are you talking about? So now you not only get royalties, which I don't like think you should get, but whatever. We're trying, you know, we're trying to attack the top talent, right? For some reason, not sure why, since we can contract with that top talent, but whatever. Now. You're sending money to entities and getting royal payments. You understand that, folks. In other words, if let's just say hypothetically there were this 100-year virus that were to come along. Just, just throwing this out there for the good of the order, right? This 100-year virus comes along, okay? And you're the director of the National Institutes of Health. And you get to pick between, say, I don't know, I don't know, three companies to do the vaccine, right? And let's just say one of those companies, you have a royalty payment. That's called a conflict of interest. You should then either disqualify that company or what I think the more proper thing to do would be you would not make the decision. You would cruise yourself. And that's what he's getting to. Now, listen to his tone when that is asked. Rand Paul had to interrupt him twice and say, hey, answer the flipping question. It was a good question. Anyway, it continues. You know, I don't know is a fact, but I doubt it. I well, well here's the thing is, why don't you let us know? Why don't you reveal how much you've gotten and from what entities? The NIH okay, refuses. Seven, Look, we ask them. We ask them, the NIH, we ask them whether or not, who got it and how much. They refused right. to tell us. They sent it redacted. Here's what I want to know. It's not just about you. Everybody on the vaccine committee, have any of them ever received money from the people who make vaccines? Can you tell me uh, that? Can you tell me if anybody on the vaccine approval committees ever uh, received gonna, any money from people who make the vaccines? Soundbite number one, are you going to let me answer a question? Now, look, to be fair, I, I do think Rand Paul should have given him a little bit of a chance. There. It's a delicate thing in a courtroom or uh, Senate hearing room or whatever. It's, it's a delicate balance. I, I generally think you ought to give the witness the, the floor more often than not. So I, I think Rand Paul needs to work on that. That being said, what's he throwing out this soundbite nonsense? Folks, this is not a joke. This is not a game. This is real life. This is our government. This should be a lead story. It's not being covered in most places. I'm covering it, and look at the way this guy talked. Not to mention, you know why the audio is so different from them? Because he can't even bring himself to travel down to the Senate chamber anymore. This Zoom nonsense has gotten too far. And I can tell you from somebody who, who uh, in, not, interrogates, not the word, <laughs> examines witnesses, you want them live. You want to be able to look in the whites at their eyes. You want to see their, their body movements, everything. You need to be able to smell them. I'm not kidding. You need to, If you can get that close, they won't let you get that close in a courtroom because they'll put them up on that thing. But in a deposition, you can get close. That's how you really figure out whether a person's telling the truth or they're being honest with you or you get to the truth. This guy now, one more problem we've got here is that, A, he's got an attitude. He B, he's talking about sound bites like this is some sort of game. There ought to be some respect. I mean, again, Rand Paul, I, I wish he'd be a little bit more respectful because then I could really lay on Fauci here. But, you know, Rand Paul's being a little bit disrespectful himself. I, I'm calling, you know, calling it fair, folks. 
But this sort of zoom, I'm going to zoom in nonsense. I, I can't be bothered. I mean, he does at least have a tie on, thank God. But anyway, let's listen to the tone, listen to the answer. Okay, so let me give you some information. First of all, according to the regulations, people who receive royalties are not required to divulge them, even on their financial statement, according to the Bayh-Dole Act. Now, folks, um, what? Come again? Say that one more time. They're not required? See, again, <laughs> these people are not very smart. Fauci raises that as a point. To me, that's a point against him, right? I mean, if you want to throw it in there as a little bit of a, you know, just a, just, you know, a little bit of sauce, that's one thing. But he's leading with it. Hey, we don't have to tell you jack squat, according to the law. Well, that shouldn't be the law. And I think he made that pretty clear. They won't tell us, and they're redacting it. So, again, just a bad witness. But, folks, um, I want you to understand what you've just heard. So these people can get royalty payments. They can apparently send money to companies for which they will get royalty payments. And, by law, they don't even have to reveal it. Okay? Yeah, there's your federal government for you. I think we should give them some more power. And some more money, by the way, too. Let me write a check Let right now. Let me give you some examples. From 2015 to 2020, I the only royalties I have was my lab and I made a monoclonal antibody for use in vitro reagent that had nothing to do with patients. All right, we're done with him. He, he basically goes on to say that um, he, he didn't get a lot of money through royalties. So we know he's gotten a lot of money through other ways, but, but again... That should be a lead story out there. But you know the reason, one of the reasons it's not a lead story? Let's go to Gavin Newsom. Here's, uh, here's old Gavin. If you're, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see it. If not, you can just hear it. Here's Gavin Newsom. Now, this is the governor of California. Okay, he survived a recall. He's running for re-election. He comfortably got the Democrat nomination. I fully expect he will comfortably win re-election. One thing we have to remind ourselves, folks, uh, uh, elections have consequences. You'll remember those elections, especially those runoffs in Georgia. They were critical won by just, you know, tens of thousands. I mean, not very many votes. And we're going to get to some election news in a bit. Uh, not, you know, that swung the Senate. The Senate being swung over to the Democrats allowed Biden, when he first got in, to print a bunch of money and send out, which is causing the inflation for which we're all paying. We're all paying. Now, one of the problems with that is all the states, right, they, in fact, they, they've tried to put a bunch of junk in there. I hadn't seen where the courts have come down on it. They tried to penalize some Republican states. But basically, all 50 states got chunks of money. One of those states was California, for which Gavin Newsom now goes around bragging about he's got a surplus. Well, he's only got a surplus because we printed a bunch of money, stole it from our grand—well, not my, I don't have any children, so but your grandchildren— stole it from them and then handed it to politicians like this guy. Anyway, he's got a pretty sweet gig out there. So you'd think maybe he should, you know, maybe do some governing out there in California. I mean, I'm sure they got things that they can do. I'm not in California. It's a beautiful state, one of my favorite. But I'm sure that he's got things he can do. This is what he thinks is governing. Take a listen. Hey, everybody. It's Governor Gavin Newsom. And I know we're all on this platform in search for the truth. But the truth is I've not been able to find a simple explanation for the fact that we have a red state murder problem. Eight of the top... 10 states with the highest murder rates happen to be red states. So the question is simple. What are the laws and policies in those states that are leading to such carnage? Hey, everybody. All right, folks. Now, that was Gavin Newsom, and he has joined True Social, and he tweeted this out on his Twitter account saying that. Now, look, folks, I just want you to imagine that you're a politician, and what, you've, what you think your job is to do is to go out 
open up a true social account and lie like that. I mean, how? just explain to me how that helps the citizens of California, right? And according to him, they're not one of the top 10. So I don't really under, what's, what's he doing here? Again, that's governance for these people. That's what the left is all about. And, and again, I've told you time and time and time again, you know, in the, in the old days, we would just see that and we would mock it and we would laugh at it and like, oh, you know, Gavin Newsom doesn't know what he's talking about. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, I don't know, Gavin, let me just give you one simple p- potential uh, thing is um, who runs the cities where those murders are happening, right? So I, I, a perfect example, I mean, it's easy for me to debunk it because I live in Georgia, the free state of Georgia during COVID. But let me tell you something. You could be as free as you wanted in the rest of Georgia, but in Atlanta, run by Democrats, you just wearing a mask. Everywhere you went, we had mask mandates, okay? Didn't have them in Georgia, but had them for there. So, again, we all know that most of the murder rates are all in the cities. We know they're—do do a little experiment. Just close your eyes. Imagine cities, some of your favorite cities, some of those beautiful cities in the entire world, right, in terms of to go to and if you're in a safe neighborhood and you're not accosted and you're not worried about crime. Just think about it. I mean, Atlanta might be in there, right? Now I want you to, of all those beautiful cities you've thought of, imagine how many of them have Republican governors. It's, it's going to be less than 10%, folks. So what happens is, is you can be a free state, right, and then within the state, every city, in fact, I think every city in Atlanta or in Georgia, rather, went for Biden, and quite substantially so. But anyway, so so that's one simple solution. Another simple solution, Governor uh, Newsom, is uh, that number rotates. So I went and looked it up, and the article upon which he's relying goes on the last year. But if you went back to the prior year, you found that it was about 50-50. So, I, you know, again, but, but again, this is my point. This is the kind of thing we used to laugh at, mock, debunk. But now that's all Gavin Newsom does. That's all Joe Biden does. That's all Kamala Harris does. They sit there and they just regurgitate lies, propaganda. That's all it is. They never get around to any governing. Although we've got a story in the stack here today. Actually, they do have some, they're doing some governing. So on a few things, they might actually sit down and plan and governing. But when it comes to withdrawing from Afghanistan, when it comes to fixing the baby food uh, problem, when it comes to the southern border, Right. When it comes to inflation, they have no plan. And part of the reason they have no plan is, A, they get elected doing this nonsense like Gavin Newsom, these stunts. And then, B, because all you do is stunts all day, before you know it, you don't understand what's going on in the real world, which leads us to Bill Clinton. So I was alive and I've been following politics for quite some time. As you know, uh, well over 45 years. That is not an exaggeration. I know I'm only going to be 54 in a couple weeks. But I have had a political interest just about all my life. I mean, I literally, I remember um, the Nixon administration. I was born in 68. So, so that gives you a clue. I mean, I remember Gerald Ford walking in when he got sworn in as president, seeing that on the TV. That stuff just interested me from uh, being a very young person. But anyway, here's an article in The Hill. Apparently, Bill Clinton went on the late night circuit the other day. This is Judy Kurtz in The Hill And Bill Clinton had this to say, Bill Clinton, fair chance U.S. could completely lose its democratic system. Folks, we don't have a democratic system. We have a constitutional republic. We've long since apparently lost that. So now we're on to seeing if we can just keep some democracy, I guess, is the point that they're trying to make. By the way, folks, I I don't know if I said this yesterday, but during the live stream, one of the benefits of doing the live stream yesterday is I I finally figured out how to use the clock on Ecamm. So I now know that we are 15 minutes and 34 seconds into this podcast or live stream, whatever you want to call it. So that will help me keep us under the 40 minutes uh, as it turns out. So anyway, Bill Clinton says he has never 
before been so concerned about the country's foundational future, lamenting there's a, quote, fair chance, unquote, that the United States could completely lose our constitutional democracy, close quote. Now, what's so significant about this? Well, the significance of this, right, is it tells us a couple things. It tells us, again, what their plan for November is. And I've said it, it, we're getting to the point now where we see the iceberg, right? We see the iceberg ahead. And if you know any of the history of the Titanic, the proper move at that time would have been just to ram it. Just don't try to turn around it. Just run right into it. You might have had some injuries from the sudden stop, right? You, you might have even had some deaths from the sudden stop, frankly. But, 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 but the, the ship would not have sunk, okay? It wouldn't have sunk. And, you know, people, a lot more people would have survived if not everybody would have survived. Now, of course, problem in. First time the Titanic had ever been out there. It's the biggest boat anybody had ever, uh, you know, captain. The captain didn't think, hey, well, normally I could get around this thing. Well, yeah, this is the biggest boat ever made. Heaviest. It didn't turn as fast. It's a big boat. Anyway, long story short. So we see now at this point, the Democrats, you know, I think they're st- they, they still have a point of question. They could either ram the iceberg or they can try to turn around it. And we all know the problem with turning it around as it turned is that the beautiful thing, Ernest Hemingway once said, the most beautiful thing about an iceberg is that 90% of it is beneath the surface, right? And so that's the problem with trying to turn around that iceberg is, yeah, you missed the part at the top, but the part on the bottom, 90% of it, ripped the whole of the ship nearly 60% down it. And it just couldn't, it wasn't built to sustain that much water, right? The idea was they had a bunch of compartments, and if you had a hole somewhere, well, you just close the compartment, and one hundredth of the ship isn't going to sink it. But when you get 60% of it taken on water because the thing ripped it all the way down the side, you're toast. So the Democrats, I I don't think they're to the point now where they're definitely going to sink because they're trying to turn around the iceberg. I think they could still ram it. And I mean that almost literally because they're going to take on some damage. I mean, I'm not saying they can keep the House. I think they could probably absolutely still keep the Senate. No question about that. And they might even keep the House, but they need to change the messaging. But they're not. So trust me, folks, these people, they, are, they all have a hive mind. Bill Clinton didn't just get a wild hair out there and decide he's going to go on the uh, shows and say whatever he wanted to say. It was cleared through all the different people, and they're bringing him out because he still has a lot of cachet in the Democrat Party. Now, the other, so the other one problem is, is showing you they're still going to try to run on Republicans are evil. Yeah, we're not doing so great, and we're not wonderful, but we're not Hitler. We're not fascist. You're not going. You know, if you vote for them, you're going to lose your democracy. I mean, this is the this is why communism, socialism, a lot of the things they ultimately fail is they're not accountable systems, right? I mean, Stalin had. I mean, I think at one point he had five consecutive five year plans. So in other words, every, every we do a plan didn't work. Well, all right, I'm going to do another five year plan. Well, no, at some point we need to replace you because you're the problem. Well, you don't know if anybody else could have done any better. And by the way, we're not going to have that. So I'm just going to have another plan. And so what they're saying is, yeah, maybe we're not so great, but you're going to lose your democracy to go with these other guys. That's really what they're going to go with, right? And so Clinton coming out saying this is more confirmation of that. The other problem, and I say this all the time, only the Democrats are going to be able to fix this problem. We are at a point now where the news media doesn't even cover what Rand Paul uncovered yesterday with Anthony Fauci. He doesn't, that rot is not even, most people don't even know about it. I think if the average person, if you could get them, right, and we're going to get to it in a minute, you know, I think there's a story out there, not a story, but there's been studies out there that 60% of Americans don't read past the headlines, okay? That's why that's the headline there. Bill Clinton, fair chance U.S. completely loses democratic system. 
They don't care if you're going to read the article or not. You just That's going to be your takeaway. We've got another story in the stack that's going to have a similar takeaway when I read it for you. But this is also showing you that we're no clearer. Wow, tongue-tied today. I'm really tired from yesterday. We did like five hours and ended up being of total broadcast time. But um, we're no closer to Democrats checking the Democrats, which is going to have to happen. Now, we did see yesterday that CNN seems to be peeling, you know, reeling it back in a little bit. That's a good sign. But we need some big-time Democrats. Like, former President Clinton would be beautiful to get him, but it looks like we're not going to get it. So, anyway, um, I'm not going to spend any more time with that. That's really the big takeaway if you hear that point. And, again, folks, we're not losing our democracy, and if we are, it's only because they're stealing it, right? So um, let's get to some January 6th news. So a couple things happened today that I wanted to go over, and um, one of which was the—I um, told you yesterday, the, one of the bombshells of the January 3rd, day three hearings, was that it is pretty clear to me now that Eastman is going to be the fall guy. They're, they're going to—it looks like they—I they, don't know if they're going to go after Trump or not. They may they may not. We shall see. Um, but I think they're trying to do at least, I don't know, three or four things I wanted to bring up to you today That since I've had a chance to think about it, and we've got some new information. So uh, let me tell you my four thoughts, and then I'll, I'll go through the new information that we've got. So my first thought is Eastman's going to be the fall guy. I, I, I fully expect him to be indicted by the Justice Department. I don't know if the January 6th committee will make a referral. I don't think it matters. I think at this point they're going to go get somebody. He looks to be the guy. And I'll tell you, when you see the, the new information we've had, uh, this morning drop, you're going to see why I think that is. Um, in addition, it's clear that the uh, January 6th committee is here to, you know, whitewash any potential problems with the 2020 election. In other words, you know, they don't wait for you to come investigate them and go, oh, yeah, our bad. Yeah, maybe we should have had better procedures. And yeah, we're sorry we didn't have those cameras on the drop boxes as we were supposed to. We'll make sure we have them this November. Don't you worry about that. Yes, yes. So what they do is they go in, they form a committee. The committee comes in, has a show trial to basically say, you tried to steal the, like, you tried to steal it. We, we didn't rig it so that somebody won. That didn't happen at all. In fact, quite the opposite, you rigged it. And it's like, okay, so that's part of what they're trying to do. They're also trying to gin up public opinion. So after the hearing ended, I think we ended yesterday around 3.30 or so. You started to see, and again, they, they literally write the stories before things have ended. So you started to see the tortoisphere light up, and everybody was, of course, oh, my God, bombshell evidence. There was only one bombshell that, well, that really came out, and that was what I'm going to get to later about Jacob uh, talking about Eastman saying even he didn't believe the Electoral College Act permitted what he was trying to do, which, which it is a bombshell. I mean, it is. I mean, it's new information we didn't have. We got some other new information. We'll get to that. Uh, so that's clear, but uh, the Twittersphere lit up, and it was like, well, now we're not going to be able to avoid it. And then yesterday we covered it. Uh, somebody had a again perfect timing, perfect timing in the New York Times. Somebody had something and said, oh well, the public will now be behind this, and if the public's behind it, well, we have to have a show trial. So uh, that came out. And it looks like we shall see how it goes. Now I haven't been able to see, I haven't seen any polling, I haven't seen anybody talking about what's going on. From what I can see, the January 6th hearings have been a dud. And the reason, a lot of reasons they've been a dud is, you know, part of their own creation because they don't have any uh, diversity on there. They don't have any from the minority party. They're not having anybody present any alternate evidence. In fact, I tweeted earlier today, like, can you really call something a hearing? Is it really a hearing if you don't hear from the other side? Right? Isn't that just a show? It's not a hearing. 
I mean, you anyway, I digress. So um, here's what came out today. We got a couple of memos. Now, yesterday during the coverage, several times they mentioned a couple of memos. And I asked, are you going to release the memos? Are you going to release the memos? Well, it turns out, believe it or not, folks, do you believe that the January 6th committee actually had leaked one of those memos to Politico? And unbeknownst to me, Politico had an article about it that I missed. Well, I found the article today. So in addition to the fact that they're doing this in secret, in addition to the fact that they won't give the evidence to everyone, in addition to the fact that they're having a show trial where they're picking and choosing what they're going to show you, they also are engaging in the felony of leaking classified information given to the committee to newspaper outlets that are friendly to them, because that is the way the situation works. Now, we're long past the sense of having a democratic republic, so, you know, it is what it is, right? I mean, people just don't care about the law anymore, and so you get more of it, right? Anyway, but these memos, to me, uh, came up with a couple things that are, to me, sort of bombshells. So I actually have the wrong one up here. So I, the first one was from the Office of the Vice President, informational memorandum to Vice President Pence, Office of the Vice President Legal. Now, that sh- was headed by Greg Jacob, but he did not sign this particular memorandum. It was ja- drafted on January 1st, 2021, so five days before the January 6th certification. I'm going to read a little bit of this. We're going to go over some of the election results, and I want you to understand what I said yesterday and is going on here. One is you got the 50% of the people or whatever that voted for Biden. They couldn't care less you could literally show them absolute video proof of fraud. They don't care. That's the way they will operate. That's the way they roll. They got their guy. They don't care. Then there's the other 50%, let's say, or, you know, maybe let's just say 49.5, whatever it was, it was, doesn't matter. And let's just set aside any, you know, election F word. Let's just set that aside. Those people. Of those people, you got a lot of us like, hey, I want to get to the bottom of this. I want to see what happened. If something happened, let's correct it. Let's fix it. Let's get to the bottom of it, right? But I want you to understand that that group of people also has a significant group of people that I would put in the Pence wing, right? And in the uh, Judge uh, Michael Ludig wing and in the Greg Jacob wing. And that wing, they're like, eh, yeah, let's let's just don't let's not worry about it. It's too controversial. Uh, no, 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 no. I, no, no. I don't, I don't, I don't care if they're teaching critical race theory. It's just I don't want to bring it up. Let's move on. Let's just go move on. And this memo that I'm looking at right now, and if you're on YouTube, you're looking at it now, is exactly proof of that latter group of people. So listen to this. In six swing states, Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Nevada, and Wisconsin, the GOP and related plaintiffs have alleged both procedural violations of election laws by state and local election officials and substantive instances of election fraud. This memorandum provides a state-by-state chart charts that summarize these allegations. In general, there is strong evidence that state and local election officials committed numerous violations that reduced transparency and or favored Democrat candidates. There is strong evidence that state and local election officials committed numerous procedural violations that reduced transparency and or favored Democrat candidates. So whoever wrote this memo, presumably Jacob or somebody working for him, is basically saying they rigged the game. However, most allegations of substantive voter fraud defined to mean casting of illegal ballots in violation of prevailing election laws are either relatively small in number or cannot be verified. So what they're saying is, yeah, they, they, rigged, they absolutely rigged the system to favor the Democrats, but the outright illegal fraud, man, eh, we don't see a lot of evidence of that. It can't be verified, right? So they basically admit there's a problem. Now, I'm going to scroll down and um, so we can get to Georgia. I want to give you the example of Georgia. Hopefully, they're in alphabetical order here. They may not be. 
And of course, all right, so here we go right here. Um, they talk about State Farm. Where's the one I want to get to? Here's the one I want to get to. Fulton, uh, Floyd County. Okay, election night errors un- uncovered by recounts. Floyd County found roughly 2,600 votes during the recount that were not scanned due to human error. The Secretary of State's office immediately called for the resignation of a local county official. During the recount, three other counties discovered a total of more than 3,300 uncounted votes on memory cards. Combined, these uncounted votes added a net 1,400 to the Pence-Trump uh, yeah, Trump Pence total. When the Secretary of State was confronted with these errors in the election system, he chose to minimize or deflect blame. Now, I could go through this whole thing. I don't have time for it this show. I may do a, a live stream on it later about this particular issue. But I just want you to understand that's one small, not terribly small, but you know, reasonably small county, 1,400 vote swing to Trump Pence. And you heard the Secretary of State's didn't worry so much about it. So let's go over and re-look at the 2020 election, okay? They, Biden won Arizona by 10,457 votes. He won Georgia by 12,670 votes, okay? He won Michigan by 154,000. He won Nevada by 33,000. He won Michigan by 20,000, and he won Pennsylvania. Why am I not able to see that? Pennsylvania by 81,000 votes. Okay, now, folks, I want you to understand how this works when you go back to this memo, right? And uh, that's not the right memo. That's the right memo. You go back to this memo. Those are the states, the three that, let's just take, for example, Arizona, Georgia, and Wisconsin, right, where the margins were 10, 10, and 20. I mean, we're talking about one small county, 1,400 votes. Nobody ever went back and thoroughly went through all these votes and checked into all this stuff, even though this memo for Vice President Pence appears to believe that there might have been some shenanigans. And I want you to understand how this works. I I looked it up. Arizona is 11 electoral votes. Georgia is 16 electoral votes. Wisconsin is 10 electoral votes. Again, 10, 10, and 20,000. Not a lot. If those flip, that gives Trump, Pence, another 37 votes. You know what that means their total is? Well, they go from 232 to 269. Biden goes from 306 to 269. It's tied in the Electoral College. Goes to the House of Representatives. Guess who your president is right now? Trump, Pence. And guess where your gas prices would be? And guess where the stock market would be? And guess who wouldn't have been bailed out so he can spend time on true social? Anyway, so um, you have to you have to understand when I went, when I put this together and I was just doing the research on these memos, it reminded me that you have to understand when you're looking at people, it's a little different. It reminded me of an old Dave Chappelle bit where he was um, he used to say that when celebrities are put on trial, he he never thinks they're guilty, especially if they're black. And uh, it sounded uh, something like this. Are you aware of the charges that Michael Jackson is currently facing? Yes, sir. Uh, and for the record, these charges hurt me the most. <laughs> so he's guilty. Look, man, look, Michael Jackson has many faces. None of them look guilty to me. You got to look in the eyes, not the noses. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to look in the eyes, not the noses, folks. When you look at these rhinos, again, I know what, I know what they tried to do yesterday. They're trying to cover up for what happened. Nobody ever looked back, right? And then it really was them trying to steal it. But I want you to understand, the person that drafted that memo, okay, and, and basically laid all that out, they understand that they've been had. They know it. You can just look at the memo. You've been had. But no, 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 we've been had. We're just going to move on. And I want you to understand that. It is what it is. There, there's no way to do anything at this point other than move towards 2024 and 2022, as the case may be. But I want you to never forget 
that the Democrats never do this. They, if, do you think, and you, I, know, I know I'm preaching to the crowd here, or the choir, but I, not one single solitary, if this had been flipped, if Trump had done something to rig votes to go his way and had carried it by 10, 10, and 20, you know darn well they'd be opening up every desk, every place, everything, every lawsuit. We'd still be talking about the election, right, if that had happened. And you know it, and I know it. And the reason, I'm telling you again, is you don't have a lot of fire fighters. That's why Trump had to go. And you know what? I feel like laughing, so we're going to listen to the rest of that. A little bit more of that Chappelle bit, anyway. It's a great bit. I've been accused of this more than once. So? Some people say the cucumbers taste better pickled. What? Huh? <laughs> what? Huh? <laughs> what if I told you that the accusers correctly described Michael's penis to investigators? Sir, I have never seen Michael's alleged penis, but I bet you that I could describe it. All right, let me guess. There's a head, a shaft, some balls, hair, maybe pressed permed hair, with glitter sprinkled on. That is correct. Well, I don't know. Come on, dude. I couldn't pick my own penis out of a lineup, all right? And me and my penis is like this thing. <laughs> That's just one of the greatest lines. I couldn't pick my own penis out of mine. <laughs> uh, anyway, so the Biden administration, two more stories, and then we're going to be done, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna beat the clock easily today. We may even have a couple minutes to spare. So I said, you know, the Biden administration, they can't seem to plan for anything, but God only knows, killing babies appears to be something they can plan for. So bracing for the end, this is from the New York Times. Again, we go to left-wing sources here at the Great American Mail. Bracing for the end of Roe v. Wade, the, ex- the White House weighs executive actions. The Biden administration has been deluged with ideas to help mitigate a Supreme Court ruling expected to overturn abortion rights, but many come with legal risks. President Biden's top aides are weighing whether they can or should take a series of executive actions to help women in Republican-controlled states obtain abortions if the Supreme Court eliminates a woman's right to end her pregnancy, according to senior administration officials. Now, folks, I want you to understand what this is. So you got 50 states, and, of course, the left is saying approximately 25 will put some restriction on abortion. I don't believe that, but but whatever. Abortion. Restriction they don't like. So we don't know what it's going to end up being. Now, even if you're in that state, you are free in America to go anywhere you want to go get it from another state. So, you know, we know how it works, right? But they don't want that to happen. They, they want to have a top-down federal uh, way to control everything, right? I mean, all these, these gun laws is, again, they're expanding of the red laws, the boyfriend exception, which was, I still I can't wrap my head around that. But, you know, th- this is just a way for them to control things from Washington, which puts it in the hands of fewer people, right? So anyway, some of the ideas under consideration include declaring a national public health emergency. That's the, I, I think, I, I wonder if there's a, a word that the Democrats love more than emergency these days. Rendering the Justice Department to fight any attempt by states to criminalize travel for the purpose of attaining abortion and asserting that the Food and Drug Administration regulations granting approval to abortion medications preempt any state bans, the official said. So we're going to weaponize an agency accountable to no one other than, of course, the Democrats, right? And or we're going to get the Justice Department and weaponize that to go after it. So you understand, right? There's no more federalism with these people. Like, if you don't like the way the laws are in a state, you are free. Pick up and go to another state. 
or travel to another state and do it. But no, 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 no. They're not going to have that, right? They're going to try to control the states anyway. You can go and check this out if you want. But the main point I wanted to make out here, there's there's some really some crazy proposals in here. But one of the craziest is buried down near the end of the article here. Um, oh, come on. Where is it? Where is it? Uh, what? Uh, well, anyway, I thought I had it. No, I didn't. It was right after Tribe. Where's Lawrence Tribe? There's Lawrence Tribe. Uh, it's not there. There we go. All right. But administration officials see other suggestions as extremely risky. So you got those. Those aren't risky. You know, weaponizing the DOJ and the FDA, that's not risky, right? One calls for Mr. Biden to invite abortion doctors to work at federal enclaves like military bases inside states that criminalize abortion. State prosecutions have lack jurisdiction in such zones, so the federal government handles crimes there, and it's not always clear whether criminal laws at the state level apply. Again, folks, the major point here is that Biden is literally attacking federalism full scale. Now, again, I want you to understand, did you see when in 1973, right, the Supreme Court declared the right to an abortion? Did you see the people who didn't like abortion weaponize the FDA, weaponize the Department of Justice? Did you see them say, OK, well, eh, so that <laughs> that's just like a day, in, you know, a day in the life. But, you know, it's somewhat controversial to basically set up cocaine labs and set up abortion labs or whatever on bases that we control and get into fights with states. I mean, this, and again, the New York Times publishes this as if it's just another day at the, you know, uh, in the life. This is, this is radical, radical stuff here. You, and, and again, the, the funny thing is, is probably, I, I, don't, I don't know how to read the thing online. I'm, I'm sure there's a way to do it. But if you were to look at the front page or whatever page this is on, you would see that this is probably a, the same crap that you see here they're describing is just normal, you know, attack, you know, just normal stuff, normal way to govern. You will see stories about the January 6th being an insurrection and a coup. <laughs> I mean, it's just a crazy world we live in. Anyway, all right, last story here. The new national congressional map is biased toward Republicans. Neither party was a clear winner in redistricting, but competition and people of color definitely lost. Anyway, uh, the main point of this article here is if you go down towards the end of the article, you see that uh, when they get to the part about persons of color. So basically, the point here is that the number of competitive districts shrunk. That is true, right? We don't know the map is fully yet, but we're close. But the number of Republican, you know, where they lean Republican, and the number that lean Democrat, they both increased so that there's less competitive. That's bad news for all of us, right? But at the bottom here, they get to the point where they talk about the minorities, okay? And um, down here it says, sometimes this took on the form of denying seats to racial minorities, even where their numbers could support them. For example, Texas is, by the way, when did they start putting an S uh, apostrophe S on words that end in S. It's just put an apostrophe, people. Really? Anyway, uh, non-white population increased by almost 4 million between 2010 and 2020 censuses, almost single-handedly earning the state two new congressional districts. But the state did not add any new districts where people of color were the largest racial or ethnic group. Similarly, blah, 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 happened in Louisiana and Alabama. And again, the reason I point this out, folks, is I want you to understand, go back up to the headline, and if you're watching us on YouTube, you'll see that. Neither party was a clear winner in redistricting, but competition and people of color definitely lost. You read down the article, you find that they lost, quote-unquote, because they weren't given districts where they are the majority. 
Again, folks, that's not what the 19 civil rights, uh, 1965 Civil Rights Act uh, says. Not at all. Anyway, you are now all caught up on the news of the day. And if you enjoyed this show, I hope you tune back in tomorrow.